With Hashem's loving grace, we're about to learn our fifth lesson in the first discourse we call Torah 1 of Likutei Moran. And to get everyone online the same level, we do a review. This also deepens our retention of what we learn and helps as a base to, for, the, for our new learning. Okay, so in summarizing what we've learned up till now, and here in Torah 1, we're learning how to pray effectively. And it's not so simple, but it works. And we're learning how to illuminate the darkness in our lives and how to get closer to Hashem. That's the whole ballgame. That's what we're all trying to do is to get closer to the Almighty. So imagine that a person starts a vigorous workout. He wants to go with a marathon and he gets up from the sofa and starts running a marathon. Uh, ah, young man, you're going to pull a muscle. You're going to get strained. You've got to do a warm up. Now, if we know that before a physical workout, we have to do a warm up. That for a spiritual endeavor, it's the same thing because the laws that apply to the body apply to the soul also. That the body is simply a metaphor for the soul. Okay, so uh, if we don't do a warm up, then we'd have a lackluster perform lackluster performance. Whether it's an athletic endeavor, or a spiritual endeavor. Okay, the same goes for prayer. It's just like a marathon. So in Torah one, Rabbi Nachman teaches that without a prayer warm up, we have to do a proper warm up of prayer. The prayers lack charm. And if they lack charm, they go unanswered. And if somebody asks you for something and they lack charm and it's not such a nice request, you're not going to answer it. It does not make an impression on your heart. Okay, so we therefore, we learn Torah, uh, we say a, a, a verse of Psalms. We, we warm ourselves up before we pray. And for what happens when a person learns Torah, a person says Psalms, a person warms up the soul warms up the soul. And then the words that come out from a glowing soul, the words that glow. And that's the name of tonight's lesson, words that glow. So what's more, we have, it's an opposition on the field. There's anti-immuna forces that don't want our prayers to be answered. And not only that, the anti-immuna forces down here in the physical world, it's they have the prestige. And people that are seeking a sham, they don't have the prestige. Why do they have the prestige? And we don't have the prestige. The people that are, I don't know, the, the rock stars and the movie stars, and but they have prestige. But people that are trying to go to Hashem, they don't have the prestige. Rabbi Nachman explains that also. And it's the reason that uh, we don't have the prestige is because we haven't made the connection, explains it in Kabbalah, between the sphere of Malchut, which is down here, the sphere of our souls, and the sphere of Chachma, which is the upper sphere of divine wisdom. When we connect the upper sphere of divine wisdom with our sphere, which is Malchut, then we glow, we shine, and we have prestige, we charm, and we find favor in whoever sees us, and especially in the Almighty. But in order to do that, we have to make ourselves a clean vessel, just like you don't take fine wine and pour it into a dirty glass, take a fine, clean crystal, but that clean crystal is about empty. Don't put fine wine in something that's got a residue of Coca-Cola or some other cheap liquid. No, it's going to be a clean, fine vessel. Therefore, the sphere of Malchut was down with us. In order to connect with divine wisdom, we have to realize that we have no wisdom of our own, just like the moon. This is what we learn compared to the moon. Malchut is compared to the moon. The moon has no light of its own, but the moon gets light from the sun. And once the moon gets light from the sun, the moon knows how to do exquisite things with the light sun. So once our souls receive the divine illumination, souls do great things with it. They shine and reflect. You see people that are animated. 
people that reflect, people are illuminated. Where do they get this illumination from? And we're not talking about uh, rock star charisma. We're talking about real illumination. When you talk to somebody that's a, a spiritual great and you see the light of godliness uh, from uh, emanating from that person's eyes, that's that's the light of Chochmah that is reflecting off his soul, which is down in Malchut. Okay, so we connect with that divine light by connecting to the inherent wisdom in each creation. Every creation explained was all created by the Almighty. There's nothing that's in this earth, in this universe that could come to being without the Almighty. And how did he create each creation? He instilled his divine wisdom. As we say in Psalms, that everything is created out of your divine wisdom. And so when we look at a creation and we don't look at the physicality of the creation, we look at the spiritual rationale. What, what's that creation's task in the world? We gave the example of looking at an ant. Hig Solomon says this in Proverbs. He says to the lazy guy, he says, lazy man, go look at the ant. See how industrious that ant is. We learn the under English could learn so much. But if a person looks at an ant, they're just like an insect, you know, step on it, it's bothersome. There's so much difference between looking at the physicality. The outer garment, uh, this is the outer dimension, the externality, then rather looking at the internality, look at the internal dimension. We look at the internal dimension, the divine wisdom. What was Hashem's divine wisdom creating that ant? Create a very little, tiny creature, mighty creature, could pull 260 times more than its weight, tiny little ant pulling this great, big, tremendous wheat kernel, much bigger than it, and working. The ant lives for six months and it works to, as if he's been storing food for 130 years. What he does is enough for 130 years. You ask the ant, why are you working so hard? He says, uh, who says I'm going to live just six years? The Almighty wants me to live 130 years, 130 years. I have to prepare myself that uh, the Almighty is compassionate and do whatever I would do, do every once. So we look at a creation's inner dimension. And when we observe a creation's inner dimension, what happens is we glean that divine light that's instilled within that wisdom, and that reflects in our own souls, and this brings us closer to the Almighty. Okay, in other words, we look at the soul rather than the body. We look at the inner dimension rather than the outer dimension. In other words, when you look at another person, you don't look at their clothes, you don't look at their hairdo, you don't look if they're wearing a Rolex watch or a cheap Timex watch. No, you look at the soul. Look, the divine reflection from their eyes down at you. And that way, you, you love every human being. And you're colorblind. You don't care what a person's greed is or, or race. There's nothing. It's soul. You see soul. All souls. When you see a soul, every one of us is a child of the Almighty. All sons and daughters of the Almighty. So you're looking at a brother or sister. And people that have love of humanity are people that look at the inner dimension of every human. <laughs> they don't care whether a person's from China, Japan, Africa, Alaska. It doesn't matter to them. They look at the soul. Okay, the soul, when you look at the soul, is the person, does this person seek Hashem in their life? Is a person honest? Is a person upright? These are things we ask, not uh, where did the guy get his watch from? What what kind of you know, designer clothes he's make? What the tag on his on his shirt? Who cares about that? And the society's running after that stuff. And, and it's all inconsequential. And it's, it's here, here today and gone tomorrow. Okay, so we don't look at, we don't focus on physical characteristics. Okay, we have to clothe ourselves. We have to sustain ourselves. But the real me, if you read Path to Your Peak, Path to Your Peak asks a question most people don't ask. Who is the real me? 
What am I, a body or a soul? If I'm a body, that's bad news. Because if a person is a body, every day is a day closer to the funeral. But if a person is a soul, that's great news. Because the soul is a tiny part of the Almighty. And it's for here forever. It prays forever. You've got an eternal life. The more you focus on your spiritual, your spiritual side, your spiritual aspect, your soul rather than your body, and the more your soul overcomes your body, then the more eternal you be. A person like that never dies, never, ever dies. So a body alone, it's raw physicality. And raw physicality is darkness. There's something else. Physical gravity pulls you down. Spiritual gravity is just the opposite. Spirituality is light. Okay, that's the soul. It's light and it lifts you up. See, one thing you see with light a candle, a candle is the very most sublime form of physicality. And it's the most gross form. It's the, the most coarse form of spirituality. But it already, a, a flame, it flickers up. It doesn't fall down. It flickers up. Okay, so each creation, whether it's we learned the four levels of creation, the mineral level of creation, the plant level of creation, the animal level of creation, and the human level of creation. Each level of creation has its own soul. The higher the soul, the higher the level of creation, the more sophisticated the soul. But even every rock, every rock has a soul because if it didn't have a soul, it would disintegrate. It would just disappear because if something doesn't have its spirituality, then it doesn't exist. So even when we look at a quartz crystal, look at a quartz rock, and we look at the, the wisdom of the crystal, look at a snowflake under microscope. We see every snowflake. It's a, it's a crystal, an individual crystal. We, God, it's amazing. The, the divine illumination that we get from a snowflake. So how much you could get with looking at a plant, you look at the photosynthesis and what the Almighty does, a plant is self-sufficient. And the plant, that from the Almighty, the Almighty gives it everything. Okay, the plant isn't outworking and isn't cheating anybody and doing the plant producing its own food, gaining water. And not only that, the plant is doing great things for society. It's giving back oxygen into the world. Plants doing wonderful things. We look at everything and look at an animal. Just observe. We talked about ants. Look at how hardworking a beaver is. And look at the way you want to learn marriage. Well, look at two doves. They're loyal for forever. They never have, there's no such thing as, as bigamy or, or disloyalty amongst a, a dove. No. And that's what we learn. So we look at every creation and we see the divine wisdom. So every creation, no matter whether it's mineral, plant, animal, or human, it has its inherent light of wisdom. And if it exists, it has an inherent light of wisdom. And that's its life force. It's what they call the life force of a creation. That's the soul. The soul is the life force. Okay, even like even a rock has this life force. And when a person observes this intrinsic divine wisdom within each creation, that is not only the soul and life force, it's the vitality of the creation. It's the amazing thing about the creator. It's not just people think that, okay, yeah, they believe that uh, Hashem created the world way back when, 5,783 years ago. And now, Hashem is retired in Palm Springs. No, Hashem is not playing golf in Palm Springs. Hashem is not in a cruise in Bermuda. Hashem is making our heart beat this minute. Hashem is running our digestive system. What we had for, for supper, Hashem decides what's going to be a, a protein cell that goes into our muscle fiber and what's going to be a waste cell that goes out the other side. Hashem making these mind-boggling decisions. It's Hashem that's running the traffic of all the planets and all the galaxies. And there's never been all these 5,783 years 
with all the millions of plants and planets and stars and galaxies and super galaxies, never been an accident. Because if there's been an accident, then if there would be an accident, a collision in our solar system by by planet Earth. And look, you just look uh, look at downtown Joburg or downtown London or downtown New York. How many accidents were there just today? <laughs> they can't. And the Shams said, no, when the Shams said, that's what we say in, in our evening prayers, every single star has its own lane. Hashem gives everything a star in a lane. But the problem is, is that people aren't listening to Hashem. If people would listen to Hashem down in this world, and then everybody there wouldn't be any accidents either. Okay, so we have to remember that divine light is dazzling, and it's so bright that uh, we can't contain it. That if when I'm talking about spiritual light, spiritual light. If I take the light of the sun, the light of the sun, the person will look directly in the sun. Person will be blinded. We learn in the Zohar by Rabbi Shimon Yochai, This is the basis of uh, the Torah's esoteric thought. The Zohar tells us that the sun is pitch black darkness compared to divine light. The light of the sun is pitch black darkness compared to divine light. Wisdom, we're talking about divine light. We're talking about a very dazzling divine light. We used the expression two weeks ago of electricity. We compared spirituality, electricity, godliness to electricity. And uh, that the power station, that have to add the power station has all this megawatts, these billions of watts, and has to bring it down to your 40 light watt light bulb in, in, in your kitchen or your 100 light bulb in, in your living room. It has to bring it down to a series of constrictions and constrictions and constrictions. This is the 10 spheres. These are the 10 spheres that begins with the light of Chochmah, which is this blinding light. You can't even begin to describe it and comes all the way down to Malchut, which is down to us. That's our souls down here. When our souls are fortunate enough to be playing on the right side. In other words, there is Malchut from the holy side that we learn that's Jacob. And there's Malchut from the unholy side. That's Esau because Esau doesn't want anything to do with the divine light. People say, oh, they don't confuse me. I don't want anything to do with these. That is their souls are on the side of Esau. It's darkness and they're in darkness. You can't tell them another thing. Uh, a person, uh, we just finished on Amuna Hour learning the Noahide laws. And one of the Noahide laws was the law against uh, against adultery, about loyalty and marriage. You talk about a person that it doesn't is loyal in marriage, person doesn't want you want to listen to anything about, about the Almighty. You can't talk to him. He said, darkness, darkness, darkness. Maybe think he's enlightened. You could have a, a PhD from Oxford or, or Cambridge or MIT. Person is still in darkness, in darkness, because that's a uh, the PhD. Maybe he's like a he's a, a technician. He could be an astrophysicist or a or a nuclear physicist. Okay, that's a technician, just a little more sophisticated than a plumber, but just a Plumber's a technician, and he's a technician, but that has nothing to do with divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is what we get from our Torah. Okay, so to bring this wisdom down to our level, we have to connect to it by way of the creations. The creations are, Shem's already reduced the voltage, and we are able to connect it uh, through viewing the creations. The better way to connect with it is by learning Torah. Uh, but by learning Torah, we connect with this on a higher level. Okay, if a person doesn't learn Torah, he should at least connect, Rabbi Nachman says, to divine wisdom in every creation, not to go through the world like a blind person and not seeing the wisdom. We look for the wisdom of every creation. We connect to the godliness in every creation. Okay, so for us now, so what do we do? 
to become stronger. What does it mean we get closer to Hashem? Hashem is imagined. I'm, I'm using material spiritual terms because Hashem defies description. Can't use, can't describe. But I'm, this is the third principle of Amuna. The Hashem has no physical properties, no corporal properties, but I have to use physical terms that we can begin to understand. Imagine Hashem is this blinding, blinding, blinding light. It begins an emanation even stronger than Chachma, which is Keter. That's the crown. We don't even talk about that because we have no idea about what that is. But how do we harness this divine light? That's We have to go through the constrictions, bring it down, just like the electricity, the electric company, to bring it from that main power plant down to our living room. Okay, so we do this. Uh, we do this by making ourselves into worthy spiritual vessels. Okay, what's a worthy spiritual vessel? Okay, they am 40 watts. So I get stronger, change my light bulb, I become 80 watts. Then I become 120 watts. And all the time I'm trying to get, I can handle more voltage. The closer I get to Hashem, the more my soul overcomes my body, the more spiritual I become, the more I can become a suitable vessel for divine light. So as we attain the more the more we the more we learn in spirituality the more we learn in Torah the more we learn about Hashem uh especially Rabbi Nachman's teachings this is the whole uh motivation of Rabbi Nachman to bring people Rabbi Nachman says that he wants to bring people close to Hashem people say what okay Rabbi Nachman you're a great you're a great tzaddik Rabbi Nachman tells us that every one of us has the potential of being Rabbi Nachman if we do what he did and we make the effort in spirituality that he did, we too can get close to Hashem like that. Okay. So for us to become stronger spiritual vessels, we have to strengthen ourselves in Torah, strengthen ourselves in prayer, and strengthen ourselves in Amunah. So in other words, uh, we have to subjugate our body and our physical desires that they have to be nullified to our soul and our spiritual desires. In other words, eating is wonderful. Eating is wonderful when it makes you strong to perform your mission in life to do what Hashem wants you to do. Eating is not so great when it's binging for the lust of the body, that the body likes uh, chocolate cream pie. Chocolate cream pie is not good for you. It's empty carbs, and worse than that, it's all sugar. Oh, but the body loves it. Eat another piece of chocolate cream pie. Don't touch the chocolate. It's poison. It's poison. We see that the healthy foods the healthy foods bring us close to Shem. And this is King Solomon says this. He says that Sadik Ochalasovanashu, that a, a righteous person eats for the satiation of the soul. So what is King Solomon talking about? The satiation of the soul. Satiation of the soul, that's because of the soul, so I can serve the Almighty. And our orientation, for for example, whatever we're doing, if we're teaching school or if we're running a business, uh we want to make society better. We want to make this world better. We want to bring the whole world, not just ourselves close to Shem, bring the whole world close to Shem. For example, you're an honest business person and you smile at people, you're nice to people. And you say, well, what is that? That person, that, that man and woman, that the proprietor, so they're, they're, they're so nice. Well, yeah, you know, they're real, they're real believers. They're real believers. They, they won't touch a cent that doesn't come. <laughs> they honestly go, this, this is a sanctification of Shem's name. And by more we bring this divine light into our own souls, the more we spread it in the world. But divine wisdom, it's our inherent birthright. If every one of us came into the world 
And every one of us is a son and daughter of Hashem. That's our birthright, divine wisdom, because that's our father. That's our father in heaven. Why do we say father in heaven? Because that's it. So that's what he gives us. But here's the difference. Now you can understand what the Torah, Rabbi Nachman, explains. This was the business between Jacob and Esau when they were 15 years old. And this was the day that Abraham died. And this was the day that Isaac began mourning for his father. And Jacob and Esau are grandsons of Abraham, the sons of Isaac and grandsons of Abraham. So Jacob was preparing a bowl of lentils for his father. Lentils, little round thing that they and then those hard-boiled eggs, these are mourners' food. These are the foods that we give mourners because they're round and they symbolize the cycle of life. Esau came and he was hungry, came from the field. He had just finished killing a person, just finished running another man's wife, just finished stealing. And one day he did all these five terrible, terrible, terrible uh, transgressions. And that's why our sages tell us that Abraham died on that day so he wouldn't have to see up till now. Okay, Esau was acting as a good boy, but now he revealed himself and Hashem didn't want Abraham to have this anguish. So that's when Abraham left the world at 175 years old. He was supposed to live to be 180, but he left it five years early because of uh, his grandson, his grandson's mischief. So Esau comes from the field, he's tired, and he says to Jacob, he says, let me have that. He says, that, that, that's for dad. That's food I prepared for, for, for my father. He says, no, I'm hungry. I'm going to die in a minute. Give me it. This is a, Jacob says, what are you going to give me? He said, give me your birthright. He says, what do I need a birthright for? And that's when the Torah says about Esau, that he disdained the birthright. But what does it mean? What is the lasting meaning for posterity? You have to understand the Torah we look at the outer dimension of Torah, oh, it's nice stories, Sunday school stories. The Torah is not Sunday school stories. The inner dimension of this message, tells us Rebbe Nachman, is that Esau, he disdained the birthright. He disdained the divine wisdom that's the birthright. And this, he, was sold, he sold it to Jacob for a bowl of porridge, for a bowl of lentils. And this is what, uh, it, what we learn in 25th chapter of Genesis, verse 34, that Esau disdained the birthright. Anybody that they don't want to hear about divine wisdom, that's old stuff, old fashioned. This is on the side. They're playing ball on Esau's team. And those of us that are seeking the Almighty, seeking the divine wisdom, we're on Jacob's team. So when we choose a life of Amuna and we realize that we have no light of our own, not like I'm the big man on the campus, I do everything, I'm talented. No. No light of my own. I can't lift my finger without the Almighty. I can't walk up a step or walk down a step without the Almighty. I don't have a single heartbeat or a single breath without the Almighty. I am totally dependent on the Almighty. Now, the Almighty gives me the ability, but once I get his light, he gives me the ability to do lovely things with his light. But I have to know that I have no ability on my own. If I don't get the light from the Almighty, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Go to sleep, lazy. You can't do anything. No, no. So when we feel that we're nothing, then we're now preparing ourselves as a suitable vessel for divine light. Okay, now we learn. Now we suitable divine lesson. We're now playing. We bring our souls, which are on the level in the sphere of Malchut, the lowest sphere, and we move it to Malchut, the Kedusha, the holy side of Malchut. Esav is Malchut, the Sitracha. That's the dark side of Malchut. Because every this is the war between Jacob 
and Esau. This is the war of Esau's angel that they wrestled all night long. This is the struggle between the sphere of Malchut, the kingship, who's going to be king over the body, the holy side or the dark side. Esau is the dark side, this physical world. Jacob is the light side, the spiritual world. And this is a war. Cherish brothers and sisters. It's going on in every single one of us right now. And it continues on to 120 years. And Hashem is up there rooting. Oh, my beloved son, my beloved son, you could do it. You could do it. Hashem is your cheese. You imagine you know, your, your cheering section. You're out there fighting. You're in a wrestling match and wrestling pitch battle against evil. And when you overcome in good, oof, what did you do? Of, of these thousands and myriads of angels are, are applauding you. And Hashem says, look at my son, look at my daughter in this world of spiritual uh, temptation and a world of physical temptation. And they choose, they did good. They shun that. They, they choose me instead. Sanctification of Hashem's name. Okay, and that way you receive the light of Chochmah. The light of Chochmah, we learn, is the Hebrew letter Chet. The Hebrew letter Chet joins with the light of Malchut, which is the Hebrew letter Nun. And you get a Hebrew word, hen, hen, hen is favor. And when these come together, then your words receive favor. Okay. So those who disdain the light of divine wisdom, even if they have PhDs from Harvard or Cambridge, they remain bodily oriented fools. Some of the words of Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman takes them the words of King Solomon, a fool disdains divine wisdom, words of King Solomon. And King Solomon's wisest man never walked face of the earth. Okay, so just because a person has a PhD, that doesn't mean he has wisdom. It means he wrote some dissertation and convinced a couple other uh, PhD fools to, to sign his doctorate. That doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. It does, has no guarantee that the person could be, you know, he had, uh, we had professors in university with the worst manners and professors in university were so ego-oriented. You'd been so far away from spirituality. Forget about it. That had nothing. You could see, take a regular person. You know, I, I know when I should a cab driver. I think the cab and another guy in Ashdod here in our hometown, he guy, he works in a garage and he fixes your, your flight, the spare, fixes spare tires. And I hear him mumbling. Once I went in there, I heard him mumbling under his breath. He was mumbling. I heard what he was mumbling. And the people are disguised. They hide themselves. The real righteous people. I mumbling psalms. Another guy mumbling uh, esoteric Torah. It's close to a sham and people that smile at you. And people are nice. And people that would not touch a scent that belongs to them. People have never fathom that they'd rather... Commit Harry Carey to, to, to say a lie, something that's not true, because Hashem's name is truth. This is a real thing. So now we continue on. If you're following us in the Hebrew, we're now in the eighth paragraph of, of, of Torah Aleph. Okay, in the eighth paragraph, we hope uh, we got to move down the road. Uh, hope that this lesson, the next week lesson, and we'll finish the first discourse, Bezat Hashem. So I'm going to read this in Hebrew to get this in my mind, and it'll translate in English. Okay, Rabbi Nachman says, he says, by way of this, what's by way of this? By way of this is making the meld of the chet of Chochmah, the letter chet from wisdom, and nun of malchut. We're making this divine bond. And once this divine bond is made in the soul, where the light of wisdom attaches itself to the soul and the holy side of malchut, it becomes chen. Then that soul, it has a spiritual it's a, it, it's a spiritual 
uh, aroma of the Garden of Eden. And the words that come out of the soul like that, they go right up and they find favor because that's chen. Chen means favor. Chen means grace. Uh, in classical Hebrew, we don't say, I like you. We say, you find, I, you, you find favor in my eyes. This is why we say, that's how you say like it. It's, in classical Hebrew, it, it's a, a beautiful, biblical Hebrew, beautiful, beautiful language. It's got nothing to do with modern Hebrew. But you find favor in my eyes. And sometimes they translate it. It sounds cumbersome when you say it in English, but it's really beautiful. And you see this chen, this connection, it's all through the Hebrew prayer book. Uh, even if a person is, a, a t- 95% of r- religious Jews, they don't know what to pray. Because if they haven't learned Rabbi Nachman's Torah, all of this discourse, we say, what do we say when asked for wisdom? And there's a prayer in our, in our eight, when I say the 18th prayers, we ask for wisdom. And we say, we say, when we say, we say to Hashem, you grant wisdom. We say, you grant wisdom by saying, you cause favor for wisdom. That's cause favor. That grant. Why, why does it say grant? You give wisdom, you impart wisdom. That's because our soul, our sage Rabbi Nachman knew this secret that our sages 2,000 years ago that they codified our liturgy, they knew that. That, that what gives our, our what gives our, our prayers power is the connection between the light of wisdom, the chet, and the holy soul with malchut, which is nun, and that's chen. And we he used it, we say, atachonen. In other words, you cause chen, you cause favor. You cause favor. This is the way we ask for wisdom. You cause favor in my brain. Hashem, you cause favor. And then we say, that we received for you. We received this favor from you. This is the wisdom. And then later we say it again. We say it's a prayer, the Shema Kuleinu prayer. We pray for wherever we want. And we ask Hashem to listen to our prayers. And we say to Hashem, Hashem, give us favor. Give us favor. And answer our prayers. So we learn the juxtaposition between the favor and the answering our prayers. It's exactly what Rabbi Nachman is talking about. And you have an Eureka moment. You learn this? Wow. It all fits like a glove with our, with our Shemona Islaid prayers. It's fantastic. So this is what Rabbi Nachman says, and he's, he rehashes what he said in the first seven paragraphs, he gets the eighth paragraph. When we have this unification of the Hebrew letter chet and the Hebrew letter nun, that becomes chen, favor, chet nun, by, by this, then our prayers and our requests are received. Once again, our prayers are our praise of Hashem and our requests is whatever we need in life. <laughs> and this is a person asking, and, and you become so beautiful. And Hashem says, yeah, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, come on. What do you want? Just tell me what you want. Yeah, then if not understand, people say, why do you should listen to my prayers? Rabbi Nachman says, Hashem doesn't listen to prayer because they don't have favor. They don't have grace. They don't have charm. That the way to have charm in our prayers is to have this connection between the divine wisdom and our souls and to put aside the body and to let the soul shine. Rabbi Nachman says it right here. He says that your prayers are not received because they don't have charm. That's it. They don't go into the heart. If they don't have charm, somebody talks to you or something like that. 
uh, your, your your son or your daughter. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Give me a couple bucks. What do you mind? That? That's where you talk to mom and dad. That's where you respect your parents. What about your child comes to you? And you say, mom and dad, I've been saving up my birthday money and I've been saving up my holiday money, saving everything. And, you know, and I need a new bicycle that costs $300. I saved $150 and I've been saving all year long. Maybe you think you could help me meet my goal. And I really appreciate it. I'm being fair. I know I don't deserve it, but wow. <laughs> You're already taking it. Take the 150 Go buy your bike. What are you waiting for? Look at the difference between the two. When we pray to Hashem with charm, when we pray to Hashem like we don't deserve anything, and we pray to Hashem and we realize, we realize that everything comes from the Almighty and we have nothing, we prepare ourselves divine vessels, vessels for divine light. All of a sudden, words have charm. And when the words have charm, where people, we, their prayers aren't received because they're crying and complaining. Don't cry and complain. You're charming. You know, you want people to give you a charming. You have to, have to have your prayers answered or any requests answered. This is not Rabbi Nachman's I'm talking about between uh, a person and a shem, between person, between people. He said between people. Either the person has to have charm or the request has to have charm. But if it's a charming person with a charming request, that's it. You're going to say, you know, you remember, you know, before, uh, before the wedding, before the wedding canopy. When she was your girlfriend, and that's all you thought about day and night, and anything she asked for, you're willing to give her. Okay, you remember that? Think back. I tell I tell couples that they're having marital problems. Hey, think back when you were when you were dating, when your fiancés. Okay, forget about the bad. Forget about twenty years together. Forget about thirty years together. Think back then. Okay, she's the same one. She's the same one. Okay, but we need to get used to it. We need to get used to it. We have to renew it. Renew it to think about it. Look at the divine wisdom. Look at the wonderful. And this works in everything. The secret to marriage, secret to happiness in marriage, secret to great relationship with, with, your, with your children, great relationship with your parents, everything. And I think have charm. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman says, when they don't have charm, I'm sorry. He says, when they don't have charm, they don't go into the heart of whoever asks for it. It's as if. The person that's listening to the request, says Rabbi Nachman, his heart is full and there's no room for your request. No room for your request. It bounces back in your face. Okay. Okay. By way of the Torah, we learn that's our warm up. By the way of the Torah, we learn before we pray. That by the way, the Torah, the Torah's divine wisdom, divine wisdom connects with our souls. That's the chet with the nun. Then it chen, that's charm. Then the prayers are received, says Rabbi Nachman. Not only that, it's called Ya'alat Chen. Ya'alat Chen is a metaphor that King Solomon uses in Proverbs. A Ya'el, it's an ibex. Beautiful. If you come to the south and a little bit further south, I live in the south in Israel, a little bit further south, when you go out into the desert, See, up on the cliffs early in the morning, the ibexes, they are so majestic, beautiful animals. And you see this female ibex at sunup and on a cliff. And it's, 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 it, it's so charming. It's so beautiful. And it's called Yalatchen, charm. Rabbi Nachman is calling the Torah a Yalatchen. It is a dough, a dough of charm. It's a dough of charm, but it doesn't mean the dough of charm he is alluding to the fact of the chen, the chet, and the nun that the connection between the divine wisdom 
and the soul down in Malchut that creates the charm. Okay, and that way, and that way, all the prayers are received, and because a person has charm. All right. So now he continues. He continues. Now, what happens when a person has that? Okay, Rabbi Nachman continues. He creates a new Hebrew letter. He creates a letter tough. What is tough? Okay, he says, we're in the next paragraph. The Pchinat tough. We're now ninth paragraph of Likute Moran. The Pchinat tough. Hainu Ayedeshi Nitrabu, Venit Kashu, Ahed Vanun, Nasa, Pchinat Chain. By they say, Pchinat tough. What does Rabbi Nachman explain? He says, when we have the Chet and the Nun, and they meld together, that's chain, that's charm. The divine wisdom and the worthy vessel and the soul, they connect, and that becomes chain. So the words that come out of a soul that shines with divine wisdom have charm. And then they are, can be, they, they with such words, they're illuminated. And these are the words that glow. What happens to words that glow? Words that glow, they, they glow. That Imagine that they have this, Neon fire, and wherever they touch, they make an impression. Like uh, if you have, if you have uh, down in Texas where they brand cattle, and they they put a brand on 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 a steer. This is this is like a brand on a person's heart. When you have this divine wisdom together with with a pure soul, it makes hand. Then it makes a brand. It makes an impression. The words of glow. This is this glowing hot iron that makes an impression. Wherever it hits, okay, and then the, the the cattle rancher he's got he's got his own stamp and his his cattle stamp with his stamp right there. So what happens with us? Our words that glow, it's like this brand, and it goes on to the divine heart. The divine heart, they're using divine heart as a metaphor, and what happens is it creates an impression, and even as Rabbi Nachman, it's only a metaphor. And Hashem has room in his heart for everyone and everything and everything is infinite. But if the words don't have favor, they don't shine with charm, they have no glow, they're dark. Can't make room. They can't make room for them. But once they do, they make an impression. They make an impression. That impression, says the prophet Isaiah, that impression creates the letter tough. Excuse me, that's the prophet Yechezkel, not Isaiah. It's Yechezkel chapter 10, Ezekiel. Ezekiel and chapter 9, verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4 says that such an impression is a tough, it because tavita, it makes a, a tough, the letter tough. Now, what happens, says Rabbi Nachman, when we connect the letters chet and nun in Hebrew with the letter tough, we get nun, chet, tough. And that creates the word nacht. That creates the word gratification. And this is the wonderful gratification that the Almighty has from his sons and daughters that pray to him with words that glow, with words of charm that come from divine wisdom. The Almighty, what least he's giving the money, says, uh, okay, who's a says, oh, I'm the big man on campus. Uh, do you know why uh, you are able to fulfill? The commandment of hospitality. Hospitality is a big commandment. It's a big commandment to her. When you have guests and you give people food to eat, you let people sleep over in your house. And big commandment. You know why? Because I put a roof over your head, says the Almighty. You can't do that. Anything you do, 
Uh, you give charity? Who gave you the money? I gave you the money. It's not your work. I just made it arrange it and made it to, to hide it where you don't see the divine hand. Hashem, this, is, this world is called olam, O-L-A-M, olam. The word for concealment is he'elem, because in this world, it looks like divine light is concealed. Hashem is playing hide and seek with us. But those who seek Hashem, you could surely find him, and you could feel him, and part of his life. Okay, so this is what happens when the chain connects with the tough, the impression, the chain, the words that glow, they make an impression, but it's tough, and they come together, and they create the word nachat. That's just just pesos. And nachat is the divine gratification that Hashem gets from every one of us. Okay, now we come down to the next paragraph. Okay, Alkein, Yaakov, said Yaakov, which is an aspect of the inherent divine wisdom. Okay, Jacob left them, and that's why Jacob merited this divine charm, this charm. But as it says, what what it says when Esau confronts Esau, Esau says to Jacob when they had this confrontation, when Jacob was coming back from Syria, from his father-in-law, he's coming back to the land of Israel. And Esau came with 400 soldiers. At first, he wanted to, wanted to, to destroy his brother. He had this grudge from years before we thought his brother stole the birthright. No, Mr. Esau, you sold that birthright for a, a bowl of lentils, okay, <laughs> like a bowl of porridge. But Jacob, with his favor, he succeeded in placating Esau. And Esau looks at all these kids that Jacob had, Jacob's four wives and his, his 12 sons and his daughter. He says, he says, where are these children from? What does Jacob answer Esau? Ki hanani elokim. This is the favor that the Almighty has shined on me. This is the answer. Not that Shem gave me, just we said right in our prayers. We continue this type of speech all through now. So we look at our relationship with the Shem. Our goal is to create gratification for the Almighty by doing his will and by he can take his wisdom. Look at what what when your son or your daughter, they want to milk your wisdom. Daddy, mommy, teach me what you know. Mommy, teach me what you know. Mommy, show me. Daddy, teach me what you know. Okay, you get so much gratification, of course. What parent, unless some parent is uh, is uh, sick on chat rooms and sick on surfing on the web, if a parent is a parent, then a parent is delighted to share with a child wisdom. When we seek divine wisdom, this gives Hashem so much gratification from us, and Hashem is happy to give us charm. And by no, with Shem, I need your wisdom. I need everything I need for everything in my life because I'm nothing without you. Ooh, you're nothing without me. Hashem says, now you're the worthy vessel. You're the worthy vessel for this divine wisdom. Okay, so this was Jacob. And as Jacob says, I received this favor. This is what he tells Esau. I received this divine favor from the Almighty. Okay, God has dealt, they translate it in the Bible, God has dealt graciously with me. But literally, according to Rebbe Nachman, Rebbe Nachman has teach me, is uh, the Lord has granted me favor. He's granted me charm. Okay, and he's blessed me with chen. And this continues on all through the Torah. Okay, what happens when, uh, at the time, this is the time, Benjamin was not yet born. 
Benjamin was born after they came into Israel. Benjamin was the 12th son. And if you remember in Genesis, when Benjamin was born, that uh, Rachel, she died in childbirth. Right after he was born, her soul left her. And she is the one of our matriarchs that she's buried in in Bethlehem. And she's not buried in Hebron with all the other patriarchs and matriarchs because she died on the road between Jerusalem and Hebron on the way down. So that's what's Rachel's tomb. And for all through history, people stopped at Rachel's tomb and to ask for divine for invocation, divine invocation of blessing. Okay. But when since Benjamin wasn't yet born, when Benjamin goes down to Egypt, Benjamin did not have the blessing of Chen. He did not have this blessing. So when he came to Joseph later, Joseph is an exact aspect of his father. Joseph was the prime student of his father. That's why Jacob took it so, so they, when, when, when he didn't know whether Joseph was kidnapped, whether Joseph was killed. The, the brothers said that the animal killed him. Jacob couldn't stop mourning. When somebody really dies, okay, it, did, it comes down. But if, it, if a person isn't really dead, a person's missing in action, then never stop mourning. Never stop mourning. Okay, so Jacob never stopped mourning and until Joseph. They rediscovered Joseph 22 years ago when they went back down to Egypt. They found that Joseph was viceroy in Egypt. But when Joseph meets Benjamin, he says, Elohim bni." He says, may Hashem, may the Lord grant you favor. Of all the blessings he could give him, he granted him favor. This blessing of Chaim is a blessing. It, 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 it is a secret blessing of the soul. I'll tell you something. I, I just occurred to me. Wow. Uh, and you're saying, do you know what people say Kabbalah? Kabbalah. Uh, we don't say Kabbalah in Hebrew means like tradition. We don't use Kabbalah like you use it in English. If you would ask a Torah student or a student of Kabbalah, how do they say Kabbalah? They call it Chen. Chen is the initials Chachmat Anista. It is the esoteric wisdom. So Kabbalah is the esoteric wisdom. We call that Chen, even that that is Chen too. This is the divine wisdom, divine wisdom, and it goes through and it's the greatest blessing and it causes our prayers to be answered. And this is why we go now in the next paragraph. Vidafka Yosef, Yosef particularly was capable of blessing Benjamin with favor. Yosef The Torah says, toldot Yaakov Yosef. Yosef, we was the soul. He soaked the wisdom out of his father. He everything he took from his father. Everything. When the brothers are out doing their thing, nobody, Jacob did not have a pupil and understudy like his son Joseph. And that's why he loved him so much. Okay. So Iwaikal told the Tav that the Yosef, Joseph, he was at, he because he took the divine wisdom that his father had, his father or Jacob, did he have divine wisdom? And this is what made Joseph so special because the Zohar says in Aramaic, Yaakov Yosef Kechada Hashivi. That Jacob and Joseph are considered as one, really that the, the bond of one soul. Al Yosef, and that's why the Torah says, Rabbi Nachman says, the Torah says, Bechol Shoro Hadalo. It says that Joseph is like a firstborn baby bull. What's a firstborn baby bull? But it's a play on words. Bechol Shoro. 
Shor is a play on words. Shor also means to observe. So Yosef, as he had, he's like this firstborn baby bull, which is a holy sacrifice. But what is a play on words? Rabbi Nachman explains to us. We don't realize it. He says Shor is an, another an ancient Hebrew word for observing. That Yosef was the one that observed the divine wisdom in every creation. And that's why, that's why he, he received, he received the, the birthright. And this, this Babel will show this is what the inner meaning of, of the Torah here. And that is what we say about someone that looks for the divine wisdom and everything for the intellect. And that explains that he's majestic. Hadalo is majestic. Uncle says that. Radiance is the, the, the after the, the, the words that glow. This is exactly what Uncle says. Uncle says that uh, Zivlo, that jo, Joseph glowed. Uncle said is that Uncle says his, his Uncle, the he over 2,000 years ago, he expanded, elaborated on the Torah, and his elaboration is in Aramaic. And Uncle explains this passage that Joseph's words glowed. He glowed. That's the majesty. That's majesty. When a person is majestic, it glows. Okay. So even a place that was darkness and gloom, when a person's intellect shines for him, you light up the world. And when one merits to look at the intellect that exists in everything, it brings him or her closer to the Almighty. So we hold up here, Bezat Hashem, next week, with God's help, we hope to finish Discourse 1. And I'm going to discourse too, and it's so exciting. This is, I cannot imagine the monumental achievement of completing one of Rabbi Nachman's discourses. But it's a shame we're going to do that next week. I mean, well, God bless for a wonderful week. First of all, I'm glad it's, we have, we're represented tonight, while all over the United States, uh, UK, Netherlands, Israel, uh, Germany, Italy, Wow, this is really tough, man. In the USA, from north to south, from Minnesota down to Texas and Florida, and from New York to California, and the UK, from London to Manchester, all up up in north and south. This is it's really exciting to have all you with us. And as it, you have all my blessings for every one of you, every one of you, and it's a, a delightful to have you with us. Okay, first of all, okay, let's say. Or the, for a Noahide, the way to get that favor, first thing, make sure you know the Noahide lessons, okay? Noahide commandments, all right? And then learn the commandments between man and fellow man, like commands of charity, commands of hospitality, okay? And then for everyone, peace pastor, what the Noahide prayer book is, I said that's that's Psalms, all right? For women, you can learn, uh, and, and also, also Noahides can, can learn, uh, Learn the Tanakh, learn all the scripture. Okay, women, they can learn all the scripture. And and by fulfilling mitzvot, by fulfilling, for example, when you speak, and you speak with sincere speech, then it, all the way, because Hashem is truth, and your speech is truth, takes on Hashem's name. And everything you do to fulfill Hashem's commandment and to learn how to fulfill Hashem's commandment, this brings you closer to Hashem. Okay, so even uh, and any anything that any of us on our own spiritual level tries to do, and sometimes even you know even uh, the Baal Shem Tov he talks about it. That 
but there's no highbrows. There's no highbrows in, in service of Hashem. The Baal Shem Tov talks about an illiterate young man from the shtetl that he comes into the Yom Kippur davening and he didn't know a word in the prayer book, but he saw people crying and people fervently. And all he knew from the field, he knew that crow like a rooster. People thought you crazy, the highbrows yelling at him. The Baal Shem Tov told him to shut up. He said there was never a prayer that was accepted. There was a divine edict that that village should be destroyed because of that young man's prayers. That young man's crowing is in folk. Yeah, he wanted a shem. He didn't know how to seek a shem. When you go to a shem and, and you want a shem, a shem, you have to help my words. A shem, I'm deaf, dumb, and blind. I don't know anything. Would you open up my heart? Shem says, no, you've got me. You've got me. The fact that you're talking to me, the fact that you believe in me, what an expression of Amuna. So somebody has, if you see somebody had a highbrow and they said, you know, holier than thou, uh-uh, that person is further away from a sham that can be. Anybody that looks down at another human being, they disdain a sham's creation. That's disdaining the birthright. That's Esau. You're played on Esau's team. Okay, so you see, there are people that could have a long black coat and wear a skull cap and curls and bong beard. They can play it on Esau's team. Okay. And that's, uh, you know, in America, you've got Halloween. You could dress up for Halloween, whatever you want to dress up like. So it's all a matter of being true and being sincere and desiring to get close to Hashem. Okay. That's it. My pleasure. A woman is exempt from prescribed prayer. And uh, I tell a woman to try and make the Shaman morning blessings. Okay, they take a couple of minutes and uh, to try and say them. And maybe one long prayer a day. But uh, for a woman, uh, you've got a great prayer book. It's called Your Heart. The words that are written on your heart. Read it to Hashem. The words that come from the heart, they're fantastic. Okay, they're fantastic. And our, by the way, we have uh, we completed our, our Noahide lessons uh, last night on Amuna Hour. And the book Emuna and the Noahide is now in proofing and in, it's hope to be out soon. And there's one expression say there that people ask me what the Noahide prayer book is. And I said, those are the words that are on the walls of a Noahide heart. Nothing is stronger than that. Because when you're reading a prayer book, you read a book, maybe your mind wanders this and that. When you talk to a Hashem in personal prayer, that's from the heart. That is really from the heart. Okay. Smile. Love every human you see. Be nice to everybody. Be honest to everyone. Let them know that there's no such thing. If, if you want to have a quiet heart, do business with Joseph Hollingsworth. He gives you a great service for a fair price. His word is platinum, 24 karat. Hey, is that you're talking about the Joseph Hollingsworth, the beard? And, and, and the, the guy with the long hair comes. What the, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, he does. Oh, that? That is Hashem's law? That is a Kedush Hashem. That's it. You are an ambassador. You're Hashem's ambassador. And that's fantastic. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Exactly what you're doing. Okay? <laughs> Asaph's head. <laughs> okay, because Asaph's head, he knew what was right, but he disdained it. Okay? So Hashem says that the fact that you know that you are Isaac's son 
And but you've done so much garbage with your body, then they don't go together. So Hushim Ben Dan, Hushim Ben Dan gave him such a, a karate chop. You know, the, the, the sons of Jacob, they were all fantastic warriors. You see in Parshat Vayechi, what the Malbib says, how each one knew Dan Dan. Hushim Ben Dan gave him one karate chop, took his head off, and it rolled into the grave. That's it. But because uh, it's a shame that Hashem didn't want to waste a little bit of wisdom. Maybe he took it to the wrong place. Because you have to understand, David, that uh, that divine wisdom, it's like nuclear power. You can either light up the city of London or destroy it, heaven forbid. All right, this is what Asa did. And he didn't what, what he did with it. Okay, that's interesting. Good point, David. God bless, big hug. And hope to see you soon. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. She was on, she's on the roadside between Jerusalem and Hebron. After the destruction of the temple, the exile south went by on that road. Uh, the Zohar tells us that her soul was above the grave. The soul was, that's it. It's the one, there's three levels of the soul. This is the lowest level of the soul. It was hovering above the grave and she's pleading for the Almighty. This is what, this is what we say. We, we invoke the merit of our matriarchs and patriarchs every time we pray. As we came, we say, uh, God of Jacob, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Okay. And do we say uh, in, all year long uh, a passage of Jeremiah? That uh, Rachel, to Rachel, look, look at Shema Rachel. She uh, she gave in to her sister. She could have said, "Oh, this is the you know that that's not that that's not me." She, in order to save embarrassment to her sister, she gave up the love of her life. And she put off Jacob, not to embarrass her sister. So, in Rachel's merit, we invoke divine merit for us. It's not the intermediary. It's that we're invoking divine merit. Saying by word, by view, by virtue of the divine merit of our holy matriarch. Okay, this is it, and and this is Hashem. What we do every day, uh, we say by virtue of the divine merit of Isaac. When Isaac and Abraham are willing to sacrifice, Isaac was willing to sacrifice himself on the altar to do Hashem's will, and we say this every day in our prayers to invoke divine. It's, it's not as an intermediary. No way. No way. But it's to invoke divine thing. In other words, it's imagine uh, Hashem. If I'm not worthy, remember my righteous grandmother who used to feed all the poor people and this and that. And, uh, you know that that that's it. It's not like you're praying by way of your grandmother. Hashem, remember my righteous grandmother. Okay, everybody. Hashem loves you, and so do we. Uh, Rabbi Wolby, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll see everybody next week. God bless.